Jeff Janis has arrived. Jeff Janis, 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 Jeff Janis. Ah, yes, it happened. It's just still hard to believe. It hasn't quite sunken in yet that it happened. I woke up Sunday morning and I just felt a sense of relief. I went to bed Saturday night, floating on my bed. When I woke up, I was sunken into the bed. All of my weight, all of my cares, all of my worries, all of my anxiety had drained out of me. And I laid there simply content, looking up at the ceiling, smiling, just feeling content, just <sighs> That was it. Felt so good. <laughs> Felt so good. I'm scared. <laughs> I don't know. It's just. Oh my god. I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm shaking. What is this salty discharge? What is this? I'm shaking. My whole body's shaking. I haven't thought about it. It's been a couple days and I haven't thought about Saturday night. And I don't need to talk about what happened Saturday night. We're going to get into it in the show, obviously, but you all know what happened. Anyone that listens to the show, Roto Underworld Radio, contact the show at Roto Underworld on Twitter or email us, rotounderworld at gmail.com. You all know. You all know what happened Saturday night. It was a religious experience, what happened to me on Saturday night. It was the closest thing to witnessing a miracle what it was I was so my heart was just filled with gratitude for what was happening because you don't stop believing that this man is special that he's the one that he's the savior for your dynasty league team you just don't stop believing ever no matter how many people make fun of him no matter how many games Mike McCarthy refuses to play him because Mike McCarthy's a moron, no matter what happens, how dark it gets because the days were dark. They were so dark. So dark. It was so dark. And yet, I never lost faith. I never stopped believing that Jeff Janis is the answer. That he would answer my prayers. That he would rise to the heavens and be that fantasy WR1 that I always knew he could be. I knew he had it in him. I never lost faith. I never wavered. I would go on podcasts and people would bring up Jeff Janis. That would be the one thing they would bring up because they knew they could agitate me. They knew they could make me emotional. They knew that they could on air test my conviction. And then get me to say something that to everyone else seemed far-fetched. To those of you that listen to Roto Underworld Radio, it wasn't far-fetched. No, it wasn't what I was saying on all of these podcasts, on my own podcasts, on all social media platforms, wherever my voice can be heard, where I was saying that Jeff Janis is the answer and that he will one day rise to be patient. 
to stop mocking him, to stop doubting him, to just let him live on your taxi squad and enjoy the fruits. One day it would happen. And I preached this from the mountaintops. Even in the darkest days, November, December, Ty Montgomery was out. Jared Arborderis, of all players, Jared Arborderis was playing over Jeff Janis. Jared Arborderis formally passed Jeff Janis on the depth chart. Those are dark days. No Jordy Nelson, no Ty Montgomery, sometimes no Devontae Adams. And still, Jeff Janis wasn't seeing the field. That is dark. Who wouldn't lose faith in that situation? Given that circumstance, who wouldn't doubt? Who wouldn't question the belief? If you did, minions, it's okay. You can question in that situation. Who wouldn't? The people closest to Jeff Janis in the Packers locker room, the coaches, the experts in their field that are evaluating him every day, seeing him perform every day in practice, those people were implicitly telling us with their depth chart choices that Jeff Janis wasn't good enough to play in the NFL. And for most people, that was enough to dismiss him. That was enough to relegate him, drop him, trade him away. But there were a handful, a select group of apostles apostles and disciples of playerprofiler.com and the disciples of playerprofiler.com would type in www.playerprofiler.com forward slash nfl forward slash jeff dash janice and they would look at the computer screen the pixels would render and they would see the workout metrics they would see the college resume they would see his stature and they would say, no, 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 I will not release him. No, I will not trade him away. No, I will not relegate him. They said, I believe. It is they who are wrong. The coaches on the Packers. The beat reporters in Milwaukee and Green Bay. It is they who are wrong. It is us, the users of Player Profiler. It is us who are right. And we were redeemed on Saturday night. We were redeemed. That was why I felt at peace. That was what it was. Yes, it was euphoria. It was exhilaration. It was joy. But it was also peace. That peace that you feel in redemption. So I say now, all hail thee, our fantasy lord and savior, Janus Christ, sign of the cross. I'm an atheist. Oh, I was an atheist. I was an atheist. Listen to this show and you will know I am an atheist. Listen to it on SoundCloud. Listen to it on Blog Talk Radio. Listen to it on Stitcher. Podbean. Wherever you listen to the show. God, breaking character. Damn it! Wherever you listen to the show. And you'll know, I've said on multiple occasions, I am an atheist. Until now. Until now. I believe in one supernatural power. The supernatural power of Jeff Janis, number 83, wide receiver, Green Bay Packers. And today's show is dedicated to Jeff Janis. This is Jeff Janis Radio. If you've had enough of Jeff Janis, that's okay. Go ahead and turn off the podcast. You're not going to hear about anyone else on this show. We're not covering anyone else. 
We're not looking anyone else up on playerprofiler.com. We're not talking about running backs. We're not talking about quarterbacks. We're not talking about tight ends. We're not talking about wide receivers not named Jeff Janis. This is Jeff Janis Radio. And Saturday night was just, it was exhilarating on so many levels because I felt this collective energy from everyone who I am connected to through this show, through social media. I could feel it. It was palpable. I had never felt that before. And it was real, actual joy. It was pure euphoria. And I've never felt anything like that. And I don't think I'll ever feel anything like that again. It was better than sex. I mean, I know it's a cliche. Oh, better than sex. Oh, better than sex. No, 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 no. Okay, no, 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 no. See, see, see what happened on Saturday night was actually better than sex on so many levels. It was the first time in my life I couldn't keep up with my timeline. I only have 6,000 or so followers, but the followers I have are engaged. And yet, even when my timeline, my mentions are at their busiest, I can always keep up. I can always reply as they come in. I'm never inundated to such an extent that I can't reply in time before the next one comes onto the screen. What happened to me on Saturday night was my mentions were so filled that an entire screen of mentions would render before I was even finished replying to the, the one on the top. And then so all these mentions would get pushed down and for the first time, I actually couldn't keep up with my mentions. And that in and of itself is just a cool feeling. It's a cool feeling of popularity, of, of just collective love. The love of an audience. It is exhilarating. It is like a drug. It is. Anyone that's a stage performer, anyone that does a show, has a public audience, has a public persona, one of the main reasons they do what they do is because of that exhilaration, that interaction with the audience. Comedians will tell you, if you get a big laugh during a show, there is no better feeling. And I received the social media equivalent of that on Saturday night, and that was just a great feeling, period. And I love how some of you remember the trolls better than I do. I had people just tweeting me, don't tell Fantasy Mansion, don't tell Fantasy Mansion, don't tell Fantasy Mansion. I had forgotten about that troll. Remember that troll? Every time news would come out about Jeff Janis having a bad practice or not gaining Aaron Rodgers' trust, every time one of those news blurbs would drop on Roto World, I would receive a series of tweets that just read, don't tell Fantasy Mansion this. Oh, don't tell Fantasy Mansion, he'll be crushed. Don't tell Fantasy Mansion, he'll be disappointed. Don't tell Fantasy Mansion he'll come to realize he was wrong, lose conviction in Jeff Janis, and release all the Jeff Janis that he owns across his Dynasty League teams. That never happened. And it's not just that I held on with quiet confidence to Jeff Janis in all my Dynasty League teams. I continue to vocally advocate for acquiring Jeff Janis and stashing Jeff Janis for 2016. Little did I know that Randall Cobb would get hurt in the playoffs and Jeff Janis would be redeemed before the 2016 regular season. Oh, oh God. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If I had to endure another nine months of Jeff Janis mockery. It might drive me insane. I might actually have to go see professional help to maintain my conviction in the face 
of constant Jeff Janis mockery throughout the offseason. Jeff Janis saved me from that, and for that I am truly grateful. Oh, but don't tell Fantasy Mansion. <laughs> Go to hell. All the Jeff Janis trolls were silenced, and it was beautiful. They were silenced by a wide receiver who converted 11 targets into 145 yards and two touchdowns, including a final drive in which he accounted for 100 yards receiving across two deep bomb receptions, one of which a full-blown Hail Mary in the end zone between two defenders. That's what Jeff Janis did on Saturday night. And all Jeff Janis has done all season is produce when given an opportunity. He's been given an opportunity in two games. He played about 50% of the snaps against San Diego in week six. And then he played about 75% of the snaps at Arizona in the playoffs this past weekend. That's it. That's the extent of Jeff Janis' playing time this year. Against San Diego, two receptions on four targets for 79 yards including, which is not shown in the box score, a long pass interference penalty. But you look at this box score. After San Diego, two catches, 79 yards. Zero for zero at Denver. Zero for zero at Carolina. Zero for zero against Detroit. 0 for two against Minnesota. Zero for zero against Chicago. Zero for one against Detroit. Zero for zero against Dallas. And on and on. All the way into the playoffs. Just zeros. So how did I maintain my conviction? And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why I was able to maintain my conviction, that even though he wasn't playing, that he was passed over by Ty Montgomery and Jared Arborderis, not to mention Devontae Adams and James Jones, who he's also better than. But part of the reason I was able to maintain my conviction is because his coach is Mike McCarthy. And we knew going back to last season that Mike McCarthy is incompetent. We know this to be the case. Last year in the playoffs against Seattle, Mike McCarthy had multiple opportunities to score a touchdown on fourth and one at the goal line with Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Eddie Lacy, and Aaron Rodgers as his skill position players. And yet, in those situations, Mike McCarthy chose to kick field goals, showing blatant contempt for math and win probability theory specifically. So I was comforted in the knowledge that Mike McCarthy is incompetent. That helped me maintain my faith in Jeff Janis. If Bill Belichick had relegated Jeff Janis and refused to promote him over Jared Arborderis, if it was Mike Tomlin who refused to promote Jeff Janis, if it was John Harbaugh who had refused to promote Jeff Janis, I would have been more worried. I'm not sure I would have been able to maintain my conviction. We don't know. Thankfully, that's a hypothetical we don't have to entertain now. But I must admit that one of the reasons why I was able to maintain conviction was the presence of Mike McCarthy and his incompetence. Then we had a buzzard write in. Why are you waiting so long to do a show? Today is Tuesday. Jeff Janis broke out in spectacular fashion, had the best day of any skill position player in the playoffs on Saturday night. So why did I wait so long? Why? Why did I wait so long? Well, I thought for a moment about doing a show on Sunday. I sat down on Sunday. My wife and daughter were out of the house, and I thought, hey, let's record a show. Let's talk about Jeff Janis. And then I realized at that point, I was only feeling joy, real, actual joy. I was only feeling this pure euphoria that I mentioned earlier. I was basically just closing my eyes periodically and just saying, don't wake up, don't wake up, don't wake up, thinking this was a dream. 
throughout the game on Saturday night, I kept thinking, I'm going to wake up at any moment. This can't possibly be real. This must be a dream sequence. Don't wake up. Don't wake up. Don't wake up. Don't wake up. And then the game ended and I never woke up. And then I went to sleep. When I woke up on Sunday, I ran to my computer and I checked the box score to again make sure that the whole thing wasn't a dream. So on Sunday, all I was thinking was, I feel great. So if I had done a show on Sunday, I just would have said, I feel great. And then we would have dropped the Breaking Bad music and that would have been it. That would have been the show. To do a proper show like this, I actually need to feel some sense of agitation. And on Sunday and Monday, the Jeff Janis haters revealed themselves. They decided to go public somehow, some way they felt emboldened and they delivered the agitation. The Jeff Janis haters went to social media on Sunday and Monday, re-fortifying their baseless assertion that quote unquote, Jeff Janis isn't good at football. Despite the fact that all he does is demonstrate great football skills in every phase, special teams, offense. It doesn't matter. If the Packers wanted to stop Arizona in overtime, they should have put Jeff Janis in on defense because he's great at football. That's all he does is make great football plays. So when you say something like Jeff Janis isn't good at football, you sound uninformed. You sound like you have no idea what the hell you're talking about because clearly you don't in order to say that. So it's not my fault that stupid people exist in the world and that they are on football Twitter. That's not my fault. It's not my job to cure them. They are intractable in their lack of appreciation for Jeff Janis, and it is not my job to change their mind. But it's amusing to read these tweets. Janis still sucks. And then you see people replying. These are tweets from owners of major fantasy platforms publishing three words. Janice still sucks. And prominent members of other fantasy platforms writing back, yeah, yup, mind-blowing. Then you have others that are trying to explain away what happened. Well, you know, Jeff Janice's performance was nice, but uh, that miscommunication early in the game was evidence of Jeff Janice not being on the same page with Aaron Rodgers. Because above all, Rodgers values trust. That was still being said on Sunday! Get over it! It's over! The good guys won! You don't need to continue to regurgitate these nonsense narratives from earlier in the season that Jeff Janis disproved on Saturday night! Let it go! There was no miscommunication early in the game. Aaron Rodgers missed a wide-open Janis in the end zone. He simply missed him. It is so lame when veteran quarterbacks resort to emasculating the younger receivers with that, hey, you ran the wrong route hand gesture that King Jerk Peyton Manning invented and hit Pierre Garçon with over the head, hit Austin Colley with over the head, and gave him a concussion. And now Aaron Rodgers and others are picking up the torch and running with it. And they're doing that jerkitude soaked hand gesture, deflecting blame away from themselves onto the receiver who was wide open in the end zone. And you simply missed. Get over yourself, Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Rodgers' ego that prevented Jeff Janis from getting on the field. And then his ego revealed itself with these, hey, look at me, it's not my fault, you ran the wrong route hand gestures. 
Just jerk. You missed him. Stop scapegoating. The end. But no, it continues. The haters on Twitter and other social media platforms are relentless. Uh, can I get a dynasty price check on Jeff Janis? Well, I think you can get him for a third rounder or below. This was actually said in quotes. This was said on social media by someone who claims to have fantasy football competence. This person followed up the third or below dynasty price check with a third is being generous though remark. Yeah, third is being generous. Yeah, yeah, for Jeff Janis. Right, yeah, Jeff Janis. Third is being generous. <laughs> I saw that. I spit. I couldn't believe it. What are you talking about? It's unbelievable. Then I saw a poll question from another prominent fantasy football mind in the Dynasty League community. Will Jeff Janis ever have a better statistical game than he had Saturday night? Will Jeff Janis have a better statistical game than he had Saturday night when he had more than 35 fantasy points? Well, probably, given that he's tethered to Aaron Rodgers and is one of the most athletic wide receivers in the NFL, he'll probably have an even better game at some point in his career. But how the hell should I know? What kind of poll question is that? Why are you asking this? What is your goal of posting a poll like that? Oh, I know. It's a rhetorical poll because that pollster is a transparent Janus hater. What is wrong with these people? They can't just enjoy the out-of-nowhere young breakout performance. I mean, stop watching football. How could you be a football fan if you can't enjoy that? If you feel compelled to go to Twitter and post a message that Jeff Janis still sucks, or post some transparent poll question that you actually don't believe in Jeff Janis, why would you do that? Jeff Janis gave us a serendipitous, sublime performance. And all you can do is think of ways to tear him down. Think of ways to doubt his intrinsic ability. What the hell is wrong with you? I know what's wrong with these people. They are bitter, resentful assholes who don't own Janice in any league. They missed a perfect opportunity to get him for next to nothing these past couple months. They blew it, and they know it, so now they're lashing out. That is the roots of the behavior. And we've already established. Jeff Janice haters hate America. Jeff Janice haters wear socks during sex. And I have a serious question. What more does Jeff Janis have to do to prove to you that he's good at football? Because we have his profile on playerprofiler.com. He posted a 45.2%, 88th percentile college dominator rating. He was dominant at the college level. He had an 18.9 yards per reception in college, which was 90th percentile. He broke out at age 20. He's 6'3", 220. He's the same size as Alshon Jeffrey. And on playerprofiler.com, his best comparable player is Alshon Jeffrey. The numbers say that Jeff Janis is most similar to Alshon Jeffrey. That he's more similar to Jeffrey than any other wide receiver in the NFL. That's just what the data is saying. It's not up for dispute. This isn't the eye test talking. Jeff Janis at 6'3", 220 ran a 4'4'2". That's a 117.9, 96th percentile height adjusted speed score. He has 72nd percentile burst, the broad jump and the vertical jump mixed together into one equally weighted metric. 
And for a big guy, he ran a mind-blowing 1062 agility score. That's the three-cone drill and the 20-yard shuttle mixed together into one metric. He has the best size-adjusted agility amongst all wide receivers. No one has better size-adjusted agility than Jeff Janis. You can assume, after I laid out all these other metrics, including his size, that his catch radius is incredible, and it is. His catch radius is exceptional. 1037 catch radius on playerprofile.com. That's 99th percentile. And it was fun to watch the Jeff Janis profile traffic on Saturday night. We received an incredible traffic spike. And we've recently upgraded our server infrastructure at playerprofile.com to accommodate traffic spikes. And we needed it Saturday night as traffic just flooded to the Jeff Janis player profile. And it was, that also just made me happy, made me smile, seeing everybody looking up Jeff Janis in unison. But there is a common thread among the guys that don't own Jeff Janis, these Janis haters that are lashing out. The common thread is they give NFL scouts and draft Twitter too much credit. I mean, sure, probabilities are higher that early round picks will succeed at a higher rate than late round picks. Of course. Early round picks have a significantly higher probability of success than later round picks. Because Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones, the obvious can't-miss players, are always drafted in the first 10 picks. Those are always first-rounders. The problem is a lot of dynasty people, a lot of dynasty analysts, go careening off into the extremes, simply dismissing late-round picks. And that is bad process. Because, number one, plenty of early-round picks bust. Michael Clayton, Braylon Edwards, Mike Williams, Kenny Britt, Corderell Patterson. Also, there are plenty of late round picks and undrafted free agents that become studs. And it's also arbitrary which of these undrafted players, late round picks, people quickly start believing in and which ones have the skeptics and the doubters. Jeff Janis has a significant number of skeptics and doubters, not Thomas Rawls. But that's just arbitrary. You arbitrarily assume that scouts nailed their Jeff Janis assessment, but they just simply got Thomas Rawls wrong? What's your basis for that? This overvaluing the opinions of scouts and the judgment of coaches is just something I find relentlessly interesting. I mean, when did people finally wake up and realize that Victor Cruz was good? When did Dynasty League zombies finally wake up and realize Wes Welker would be fantasy relevant year after year after year and that Wes Welker was a hugely valuable Dynasty asset? When did these Dynasty League zombies wake up and realize Antonio Brown was good? When did they realize Julian Edelman was good? All those guys I listed were late round draft picks or undrafted free agents. So how could you possibly draft Antonio Brown? Draft capital snobs? I mean, if Jeff Janis was merely Josh Hoff, drafted in the third round, I think he would be universally praised. But he's Jeff Janis. He's a sixth round pick. And the meatheads on draft Twitter, the meatheads, by the way, who had Josh Huff locked in as a top 10 receiver in the 2014 draft class, these meatheads still believe that Jeff Janis is simply not a good route runner. And that renders his performance on Saturday night an outlier. Yeah, he's an outlier. That's another thing you started seeing. Let's analyze this outlier performance. It's an outlier because we all know Jeff Janis isn't a good route runner. I have a question. Is Calvin Johnson a good route runner? Is Alshon Jeffrey a good route runner? I don't know. They win with explosive athleticism. I'm not sure how good they are at running routes. 
And I'm not sure it's that relevant, given their size, given their athleticism, given their explosive dominance. Oh, but I saw Jeff Janis at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. And Jeff Janis at the Senior Bowl, <laughs> it was crazy. He was unfamiliar with certain route concepts. So I don't believe there's any way that he'll translate into the NFL. I mean, my mind's made up. Yeah, your mind's made up. Jeff Janis just doesn't have what it takes. And every piece of information gleaned between the Senior Bowl and now on Jeff Janis will be filtered through this biased prism. And that's why you continue to hate him. And your hate is irrational. Your criticism is baseless. And yet you still mock him as Julio Janis. All you can do is mock because you don't have any actual information that you could use to criticize him with. If you are one of these draftnik wannabes who liked Josh Hoff over Jeff Janis, then I don't think this NFL game is for you. I think you need to take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I good at this? And if you thought that Josh Huff is going to be better than Jeff Janis at the NFL level, you're not good at this. You are the same mock draft masturbators that criticize Devin Funches because he lacked courage at the catch point, that criticized David Johnson as a running back who was scared to run inside. Fools. So the takeaway from this Jeff Janis breakout is that relative college dominance is important, even at small schools, and that athleticism matters in athletics. I mean, let me put it this way. Do you really want to bet against a hardworking, humble, big, uber athlete? Who would ever want to fade this guy? All that matters is the good guys won this weekend. America won this weekend. And the Jeff Janis haters can suck it.